0: Out shopping a little bit on Friday and I I made some observations. I probably would would agree. Um, Stores are crowded. People are frantic, crazy, crazed, lunatics. You could go on with the adjectives. Parking lots seem to be even crazier. If you can survive a, a parking lot around the Christmas season, you should count yourself extremely fortunate and you probably have also noticed that there are some people out there that are driving that are not very merry. I don't know what they're listening to on their radio, but it is not have a holly jolly Christmas. If you've been watching the uh, the news, you know that our Congress is divided. Our country is divided and people just can't seem to get along And you might just want to say with arms stretched out in the air, where is the love? Where is the love? I want to share with you a poem just in in beginning. It was written by a lady named Christina Rossetti during the 1800s. And she wrote these words, Love came down at Christmas. Love all lovely, love divine. Love was born at Christmas. Stars and angels gave the sign, worship we the Godhead, love incarnate, love divine, worship we our Jesus, but wherewith for sacred sign, love shall be our token, love be yours and love be mine, love to God in all men, love for plea and gift and sign. A few minutes we have this morning and Hopefully as as an early Christmas gift to you, Um, we will be out before the noon hour and um, that will bring excitement for some. I just want to talk about the simple idea that Jesus is God's gift of love. If you think about the most wonderful Christmas gift you probably ever received, the one that you would say that would be most memorable, the one that you could look to immediately say, oh, I remember this Christmas when I got up on Christmas morning and this was under the tree. You can get very excited. But when we consider, we turn our thoughts to just a moment to the gift that God gave us at Christmas. There should be a joy, an excitement, a love, a peace that wells up in us that will help us to sing even the highest keyed Christmas song with great fervor and excitement. Let me read these verses for us. We're going to start in Luke chapter 2 and then we'll we'll pray together. I'm just reading... Just so we can have a little bit of context, starting in verse 22, but really focusing on verses 33 through 35. And when the time came for the purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Father, we ask this morning that you would grant us the ability to to gain insight to your word by the presence of your spirit. Father, we thank you that you are the one that reveals the hearts of men. And we open our lives to you this morning, asking you to search our hearts and to know us. Lord, to search us with the truth of your word, by the power of your spirit. Lord, help us to understand more deeply the love that you have for us. The love that died for us. The love that lives through us. And the love that reaches out to those around us. And Father, you would help us to understand And to apply your word to our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we come back to this man, Simeon, who is waiting on the consolation of Israel. He's holding on very firmly to a promise that God has given him by the Holy Spirit. That he wouldn't leave the earth, he wouldn't die until he had seen the Lord's Christ. There he is in the temple, a little baby, Jesus, the Savior, and he holds him in his arms, and he praises God, and now, in peace, he's ready to go home. he's ready to die. he'd seen God's salvation. Now Luke tells us that Mary and, and Joseph can't really believe what's taking place, that they are they are marveling, they are amazed at this instance. Now imagine these are these are two adults that have experienced visitations by angels they've had them declare the the conception and the birth of this child and here they are marveling again and you could just imagine their conversation can can you believe what this man said about our our little little baby what what does it all mean what what about what the angel said that we should give him the name Jesus and that he would save his people from their sins and they are marveling they are wondering at the words of Simeon but then Simeon speaks again and he he turns his attention directly to Mary and he speaks to to Mary and this praise to God turns to a word of prophecy and he speaks about the future of this little baby this special child and this morning I want to just look at these verses around four simple words that I believe describe what Simeon was saying about the Lord Jesus. Appointed, disruptive, costly, and revealing. And the first word we have is the word appointed. God had a plan for His own Son. From the very beginning, before recorded history, before the foundations of the earth, God had a plan. What was that plan? That, that Jesus, his son, his only begotten son, would leave heaven, come to earth to save humanity from their sin. And Simeon says, behold, this child is appointed. Jesus is God's chosen one. He's the one that is the Messiah, the fulfillment of all the promises of the Old Testament. The one who would come to set God's people free. He was God wrapped in flesh. Emmanuel of Isaiah chapter 7, the one who would be God with us. Living. Breathing. A man like you and a man like me. God come to earth to save us. And you shall give him the name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That name Jesus is. It's a wonderful name. It means God is salvation. And it reminded me of what Paul wrote to Timothy when he said, hey, Timothy, this is a trustworthy saying, and it's worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Ever reminding that faithful young pastor in us today of the purpose of Jesus, that he came to the world To save sinners. When Paul wrote his letter to the Galatians, he reminded them in Galatians chapter 4, starting in verse 4, that when the fullness of time had come, that in the midst of God's perfect timing, the perfect season, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. To redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. It's really the message of Christmas right there in Galatians. That Galatians that God had set apart, appointed his son to come to the earth at the right time. Coming with a mission that was Marked by redemption to save his people so that you and I and any who would call in the name of the Lord Jesus would have the privilege of be, being called an adoptive son or an adopted daughter to be grafted into his family. He was appointed. But Simeon goes on in speaking to Mary. He says, Mary, one day your, your son, he's going to cause quite a stir. Now, some of you may have had your parents have that prophesied over them. Your boy is going to be something else. I can already tell. And you probably lived that out during your your young years. And probably some things your parents knew about and some things your parents probably never found out about. But in this instance, Simeon, speaking to Mary, says that your son is marking the arrival of God's kingdom on earth. That it would bring about peace, but it wouldn't be without opposition, struggle, and violence. That Jesus coming into the world would be disruptive. That Jesus would cause the fall and the rise of many in Israel and even beyond. It's there in the phrase of Simeon's words, appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel. That the coming of Jesus would cause disruption in society. That he would cause many to fall. Now these words most people believe are, are tied to the words of Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 8 which Peter quotes in 1 Peter where it says, And he will become a sanctuary and the stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and many shall stumble on it. They shall fall and be broken. They shall be snared and taken. Simeon was sharing the the timeless truth that, that Jesus is a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to those who do not believe and those who reject him. You don't have to look around very far to notice that it is very disruptive to the world to hear the truth. In fact, people will go to great lengths to share anything but the truth. And the truth of God's word is disruptive. It's offensive. The fact that all men are sinners, that you and I have a problem. It's a problem that we can't fix on our own. And that problem is only fixed one way, that Jesus is the only Savior, that there's only one exclusive solution. There's only one way to make things right between God and man. There's only one way to heaven, and apart from Him, there is no salvation. It's been a controversial message throughout history. Why? Because the pride of men gets in the way. That can't be true. It's just a fable, just, just a story. It's just a made-up notion to help people get through life. And many choose not to believe. Because prideful people stumble over Jesus. The message of the cross is offensive to them. They, they choose to not place their trust in Christ. And Simeon, in his words, says that they will be brought low. They'll fall. And ultimately, those who reject Jesus will fall eternally, separated from God. But the good news of these words are there are those among the ones that hear who are humbled. They believe, they repent. They're transformed, and even though they are lowered in humility, God raises them up in salvation. The humble will be exalted, and even better, one day they will be resurrected. And so, this baby Jesus would cause the falling and the rising, but he would also be a sign that is opposed. You know, it really shouldn't surprise us every Christmas that there is a battle out there to keep Christ in Christmas. Because he is the one that stands as the symbol of God's holiness, the symbol of God's rule and God's reign in the world, the expression of his love. And when we get to the Christmas season every year, the world wants to keep the tree. They like the Christmas tree. The world loves the lights. They don't mind a star. Oh, they really get excited about the gifts. And they like the music. But often they choose season's greetings or happy holidays and avoid that controversial phrase, Merry Christmas. Jesus would come to be the consolation of Israel. To make peace with God. But people... Many people would oppose and reject him. A century before ours, a gentleman wrote these words. Jesus was to be a mark for all the fiery darts of wicked, of the wicked one. He was despised and rejected of men. He and his people were to be set upon a hill, assailed on every side and hated by all sorts of enemies And so it proved, and listen to this, men who agree in nothing else have agreed in hating Christ. From the very first, thousands have been persecutors and unbelievers. John, in his prologue, John chapter 1, verse 11, he, speaking about Jesus, came to his own and his own people did not receive him. I think it's interesting that we, we sing at Christmas, you know, away in a manger, no crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus lay down his sweet head. That when Mary and Joseph arrive in Bethlehem, there seems to be no room. But yet in a stable manger barn, if you want to go that way, the Son of God was born. Showing that there was indeed Room for everyone and for anyone. And even though Jesus came to reveal the Father, to point people to the Father, His own people didn't receive Him. They spoke against Him. They blasphemed Him. They denied Him. They accused Him of all kinds of evil. They mocked Him and they eventually crucified Him. His own did not receive Him. But if you read on to verse 12 in John chapter 1, it says, But to all who did receive him, glory to God, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That there's a free gift of God's grace. And while that gift is free to us, it came at a very high price. And so the third word is costly. Salvation comes at a great price. It's probably listed in parentheses in your translation, noting that it's a bit of a an afterthought or kind of a just a thought to ponder in the future and. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Can you imagine celebrating the birth of your little boy? The days have come for him to go to the temple and this man, Simeon, approaches you and he's giving you all these exciting things about what your child will one day be. And then, oh, by the way, a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Wouldn't you agree that there's words that people speak that you would probably never, ever forget? That would ring so clear and so true in your mind from day and day, day on and day on. Imagine that Mary, who is very thoughtful because it's told of her in the scriptures that she pondered things in her heart. Probably never forgot those words. That here in the midst of the Christmas season, the celebration of the birth of a baby, there's a hint of Easter. That this baby that was born today, that brings such joy, one day your own heart, Mary, will break because of this child. There would be joy now, but later on in life there would be deep sorrow because Mary would witness at the foot of the cross the cruel death of her own son. And as the nails pierced the hands and the feet of the Savior, as the spear pierced His side, the sword, emotional pain and sorrow would pierce Mary also. And her heart would be broken because of the cruel treatment of her son. The suffering of this Savior. That this one who came to be the Savior of the world was meant to suffer and die because his death would bring about life. I love the great Christmas carols that we sing and in Hark the herald angels sing. Three lines stand out about the Lord Jesus born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. That the death of Jesus would bring about eternal life. And while we have this privilege of receiving that free gift, it was not without cost. Christopher Ashe wrote these words, The work that Mary's boy will do comes at an awesome cost. He can only be light by entering into darkness. He can only save sinners by bearing wrath. He can only be glorious with the glory of God's self-giving love. Jesus came to earth as a human baby. The scriptures in Luke tells us that he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. We know that he lived a sinless life in complete obedience to the Father. We know that he died the death that we deserve so that we could live the life that God intended. And his death brought about our second birth. And His death is the expression of God's great love for you and for me. Romans 5, 8. God shows or demonstrates His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It should fill your heart with gladness and with wonder, while I was still a sinner, God sent His Son Jesus to die for me, to die for you, and the cost of that redemption, His pain, His suffering, His death, His own blood. Isaiah writing about these years before writing about this servant who would suffer, said, He, the Lord Jesus, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. Jesus was coming at God's appointed time. He would be a great disruption to society. It would come at great cost. And lastly, it would be revealing. Our response to Jesus reveals the condition of our hearts. Look at the last phrase that Simeon speaks to Mary and to Joseph. So that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Now we said earlier that Jesus brings about disruption And that disruption shows the true thoughts of many hearts. And we see in his day that Israel's true heart would be revealed. It would be easy for anyone to see whether or not they were for or whether they were for against Jesus. And the truth would tell out in how they responded to him. The same truth still stands today How people respond to Jesus is the difference between pardon and salvation and condemnation and judgment. Belief, simple faith leading to pardon, unbelief leading to condemnation. As one man wrote, my response to Jesus is the test. And the answer comes from my heart and reveals where I am before God. My response to Jesus is the test and the answer comes from my heart and reveals where I am before God. And here's something that we need to be reminded of often. There's no middle ground with Jesus. There's only two options. Jesus Himself in Matthew and Luke record it said, whoever is not with me is what against me. So you're either For him, on his side, or against him, you either believe or you don't believe. And Matthew Henry, the great commentator, said, Men and women will be judged by the thoughts of their heart, their thoughts concerning Christ. Are they for him or are they his adversaries? The thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. You can fool other people for a season. You can even fool yourself. But we can never fool God. Solomon's prayer, dedication of the temple, 1 Kings 8, he reminds us that it's God who knows the hearts of all the children of mankind. So what does that mean? It means when he looks at you or when he looks at me, he knows sincere belief. He knows lip service. He knows and sees half-hearted commitment. He easily recognizes and dispels deception and deceit. And unbelief can't be hidden from him. Ultimately, how we respond to Jesus shows what the condition of our heart is. Do you have a heart for Him? It'll be revealed in your response to Him. If there's something else your heart is going after, it will be quickly revealed as well. So, the question as we close. For you and I today is what is the condition of your heart? How are you responding right now to the gift of God's love? I said earlier there's no mental ground. So we can't simply ignore or avoid the question. Because when we try to do those two things. When we try to avoid it or ignore it. It really is living in unbelief. Avoidance and ignoring is just rejection. It's a rejection of that gracious gift of God, denying the truth that He is the Lord and Savior. And it's continuing to live in frustration and futility. But to receive and embrace the gift brings life, joy, peace. It means hearts are made new. It means broken hearts are mended. It means that weakened hearts are rekindled and re-energized with the love of the Savior. It means that the heart that has grown cold can be warmed again by the presence of the living Christ, He who is the resurrection and the life living in us and living through us. Jesus is the gift of God's love. Perfectly planned, eternally relevant, and always present with us. Love came down at Christmas. And the question I have for you today is, is he reigning and ruling in your heart? Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we are grateful for the goodness and the mercy that you show to us. That while we were still sinners, you showed your love to us with the sacrifice of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that you could be with us and that you could live your life through us. And on this day, this 22nd day of December, just three days before Christmas, there's still many... Hours, many days to spend together with family. There's gifts to be opened. There's gifts to be given. There's joy to be shared. That we wouldn't walk away from this place this morning without considering what am I doing right now with your gift of love? Have I received it? Is Jesus Lord and Savior of my life can be the the day of salvation. If I say yes, I, I have, but, but my life doesn't represent that, today can be a day of refreshing and renewal. If I'm discouraged or if I'm weakened in my faith, today can be a day of strengthening as I let the peace of Christ rule in my heart, my faith. Lord, we come before you and ask you to open our hearts, open our, our minds to you that we would be willing to receive the gift that you have for us and that we would be challenged to share the gift that you have given us with those around us. Thank you, O Lord, for your gift of love expressed in your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and we pray in his name. Amen.